Hi, I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm joined today by CBF's relatively new Virginia Executive Director, Rebecca LaPrell. Rebecca, welcome. Thanks for having me, Will. Rebecca is in our Richmond office, and I'm sitting in our Annapolis office, thanks to the wonders of modern technology. Rebecca, you have some tough shoes to fill. Um, Ann Jennings was executive director of our Virginia office for 17, 18 years and retired from CBF to work at a legislative commission called the Chesapeake Bay Commission. You came to CBF last fall. So um, how's it going? It's going really well, and I do have huge shoes to fill, and um, Ann Jennings is obviously a wonderful leader, and I'm glad that she's close by and still helping out CBS. She's actually still here in Richmond with the Chesapeake Bay Commission. Well, Rebecca, I I asked the question a little rhetorically to you. I can tell you we are so pleased with you and the Virginia office, the leadership, You started a a few weeks before the Virginia General Assembly, which is really sort of our our biggest effort, of course, during the course of the year. You jumped right in uh, as if you'd been here for years and uh, hit the ground running. So uh, it's it's really great. I'm really happy to be here. And I came in right before the General Assembly. It's been a whirlwind so far, (laughs) but learning a lot every day. Well, (laughs) great job. Now, Our listeners should know that, Rebecca, you have a somewhat different background than many of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's existing staff. First, you're on the technical side, which we have plenty of scientists and plenty of scientists in leadership positions, but you have a human health background. Tell us a little bit about where you've been and what you've done uh, in advance of coming to CBF. Sure. Well, it's interesting, and I agree with you. I would say I don't have the typical background for this type of work, and I actually worked as a field epidemiologist for the Centers for Disease Control down in Atlanta for many years, and after that, I came to the Virginia Department of Health, and there I managed recreational water, toxicology, and vector-borne programs, and at VDH, my team was responsible for issuing health warnings, actually, to recreational water users, mostly when bacteria levels were elevated, but also during harmful algal bloom events. So, so with that background, um, you were really on a, on a human health trajectory, and um, you're at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. What, what, what was the nexus for the sort of shift in direction? Well, I talked a little bit about issuing advisories to recreational water users, and one of the reasons I I shifted was just after simply issuing so many advisories for so many years, it came to a point where I think I was a little frustrated with having to (laughs) issue advisories and really wanting instead to be um, part of the solution. And CBF is an organization that works to prepare prevent problems and take on really big challenges and that's something I just wanted to be a part of. 
And, and what we always talk about is the fact that, that CBF is solutions-oriented. We're always looking forward, trying to address how to make things better, and looking for connections. And it seems to me that the connections between water quality and human health are obvious in the, in the literature. But what we often hear from a lot of our constituents is the concerns they have about how the environment does affect their own selves, their, their children, their grandchildren, and, and even, even livestock and animals and domestic animals. Tell us a little bit about these connections and how they fit in with uh, CBF's mission and agenda. Well, yeah, I mean, as an epidemiologist, I think I've seen firsthand that good water quality means good quality of life. and it means you can go fishing and actually be able to eat fish and you can go to our bayside beaches and go swimming and wading and not have to worry about ingesting or breathing in any harmful toxins and i think as a public health person and this is big for me it it means that our local streams and rivers that actually feed the bay are a safe place to draw our drinking water from and those are the kind of things that are important to me. What are what are some of the th- the, the ways that um, water quality connects with human health? And obviously, there's huge variability across the Bay watershed. But but what are what are some of the things that we should really be concerned about? Well, I think this is all the reason we need to clean up our waters. And a big thing right now is probably, I would say, E. coli and cryptosporidium. So we already know contact with water contaminated with really high levels of bacteria is associated with illness, associated with respiratory problems and skin problems and GI problems. And one of the top causing waterborne outbreaks in the U.S., um, and this is related to non-chlorinated non-treated water is actually pathogenic strains of E. coli and cryptosporidium. And these are pathogens that are found in the gut of cattle and, and other farm animals. So it's really important that we put into place good practices like keeping cattle out of streams to prevent these kinds of issues. So the, the, the source of E. coli can be human or animal-born, and when, the rain, when we have big uh, times of heavy rainfall coming off the land, is that when we're seeing spikes in the, uh, in the levels? Exactly. That would be when people are most vulnerable to being exposed to these types of pathogens are when um, our waters are more apt to find these kind of pathogens in the water because the runoff brings the pathogens into the water. And, and as we approach the, uh, the, the swimming season, some I'm sure have already been out there, what sort of advice do we have really across the watershed in terms of people saying, is the water safe to swim? How, how do they know and, and what are signs to look for in times of the year or times of rainfall to avoid? 
what I always say is things that you want to look for are signs that the water isn't clear. Any signs of a bad odor would be something that would be a, a warning. And then on the point of rainfall, I would say one to two days after a very he- heavy rainfall event, it's not really indicated or safe for people to go swimming all the time because we're just not at a point where we have clean waterways for recreation 24 7. Who, who, who in Virginia, and I, I think I know in Maryland, who in Virginia is monitoring the water and where, where can people turn to get access to water quality data in their own neighborhoods and backyards? So that's a great question. If you're headed to the beach or the coastal waters in Virginia, you can go to the Virginia Department of Health website and look at their online map to see if they have any health warnings for beaches. And then in freshwater, our Department of Environmental Quality monitors all other public waters. And, and, and it's interesting. If you go to the DEQ website, you'll see recreational use is actually impaired or not recommended in most sub-watersheds in Virginia. And if people want more information about this, can they call the Richmond office or the Virginia Beach office and get specific details about where to call on, an, on a regular basis? And in, in Maryland, I know that the county health departments are doing a pretty good job. There's some variation across counties, but a pretty good job in terms of monitoring local waters and putting that up on their website. So in Maryland through the county health departments, and in Pennsylvania, we're gonna to have to research this and put something on the website because I'm not sure where in Pennsylvania people can turn on a regular basis to, to find a, a water quality data for swimming areas. That's a great idea. And it's always a good idea to start with your local health department if you're curious what the warnings are. Yeah, coming down to the most local level of government you can reach and they're the ones that are going to have the, uh, the, the best information, it seems like, on a regular basis. Um, when, you, exactly. when you look out into the future for you um, personally, what, what are your aspirations? What's your vision for, for the Bay um, through the lens of, of health, uh, human health, or, or not? Well, just in general, I think that water has much broader influences on health and our well-being than we even realize. And for me, I think there's also an underlying environmental justice issue. And I would love for all families to be able to access the local waterway and to exercise in it and enjoy time around it with their families. And the reality is that none of us not all of us can afford a pricey pool membership. And the bay and our local waters are something that everyone from all works of life can enjoy and benefit from. I mean, at least that's what I picture. So, so Rebecca, with, with uh, six months or so now under your belt, um, tell us a little bit about how the Virginia office is organized. Your headquarters in Virginia are in, Hamp- in uh, Richmond, but the new Brock Center in Hampton Roads has some big news. 
give, give our listeners a little bit of a sense of how CBF is organized at the state level. Sure. Well, we have two main offices in Richmond, where I'm located. We're sort of the policy hub for the CBF office in Virginia, and primarily our role is to work during the General Assembly with key elected officials to assure that appropriate funds are included in the state budget for the Chesapeake Bay and that programs are put into practice that protect the bay. And then over in Brock, at the Brock Environmental Center, which, by the way, we just learned the last week that we are a recipient of the Living Building Challenge Award, which is really big news, and yeah. we're all very excited about it here in Virginia. That's terrific news. It, it really is. They, of course, work on a lot of policy-oriented work for the Bay, but are also working on oyster restoration. And at VIMS, we have a really large oyster restoration center where we manage volunteers and put reef balls back into the water and manage an oyster gardening program as well. So I'm not, I'm not going to let you get off the hook quite so easily with congratulations on the Living Building Challenge Award. This this came after a year's worth of demonstrating that the Brock Environmental Center, we've called it the greenest building in the world, actually does what it says it does. And somewhat foremost among that, we, we produced almost twice as much electricity as we used over the past 12 months. That's, that's huge. Yeah, and it, it, we're the only building, commercial building in the country that's actually treating our own drinking water from roof water. It's, it's innovative and incredibly amazing. So to have uh, the first commercial building in the United States, which allows the people in the building to drink treated rainwater, uh, that's been approved by Virginia. And uh, it's the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. It's very, very exciting. So, um, Rebecca, I just want to end with as, as I said earlier, you dove right into the Virginia General Assembly session this year. It was the so-called long session in which the budget is presented by the governor. Virginia has a biennial or a two-year budget. What were some of the highlights and some of the staff uh, um, areas of focus that you worked on? Well, thanks for asking that question. And it was a great session for the Virginia office. And I would be remiss if I didn't say we helped secure one of the largest investments in water quality ever passed in the history of the Commonwealth of Virginia. No, wait a second. Over ever, ever passed in the Commonwealth's history? One of the largest investments in water quality ever passed. That's fabulous. Details? And for farm practices, actually with the $61.7 million for agriculture best management practices, it is the highest funding level for one year ever provided in Virginia for this program. So funding for, you mentioned one, uh, agricultural practices for farmers to use cost share money to put on practices that reduce pollution, reduce runoff. What else? So the other big win 
was securing $20 million for the Stormwater Local Assistance Fund, which is just a program that provides matching grants to localities to projects that reduce polluted runoff. So, and we really worked with key elected officials to the 11th hour and very end of the session to ensure that funds were appropriated for this matching program. So one big area of pollution, agricultural runoff, check. Another big area of pollution, runoff from urban and suburban areas, check. And was there any further funding? I think I recall some good additional funds for sewage treatment upgrades. Yep, you got it. The legislators provided an additional, I believe, $59 million for the final round of wastewater treatment plant upgrades in Virginia, matching the original proposed budget. And we're all very thankful that those funds are still in the budget. So in this era of polarization, a Democratic governor and a Republican-controlled General Assembly worked together for the benefit of clean water continuing in Virginia, building upon the successes we've had in Virginia, building upon successes in Maryland, and continuing to work on the challenges uh, we face further upstream coming out of Pennsylvania. So, you know, we've been saying we're cautiously optimistic. We're seeing some good things coming out of all the states. And um, Rebecca LaPrell, for your first six months, I think it was about as busy and exciting as it possibly could have been. We're just delighted to have you, and uh, we look forward to continuing to learn more about the connection between water quality, surface and drinking water, and, and human health, because obviously that certainly is what everybody's concerned about at, uh, at, at any given community. Well, I'm so happy to be here, Will, and I couldn't agree more with you. It's been a great session. I have a great team here in Virginia, and I look forward to out building those connections to public health. For Rebecca LaPrell, I'm Will Baker. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember to tune in every two weeks for our podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you.